tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. All right, we've got the After Dark episode of College Volleyball Weekly and our missing friend on the show this morning who had plenty of salt thrown at him, but it wasn't there, is Jay Hosick of George Mason. How's it going, Jay? Wonderful, everybody. Welcome to Fairfax. We're excited to have everybody coming out and uh, enjoying the weather in Northern Virginia and enjoying the surrounding areas. And we're just pleased as punch that we get that chance to host the nation's best in, in a week and get it all underway. So. And that's why we've got Jay on. We've got to be sure to get that out there, that national championship tournament in Fairfax, Virginia, Northern Virginia, and Jay's home area. And everyone can camp on his lawn and backyard during the entire week. Just kidding. No complaints in the neighborhood or also get kicked off his golf uh, membership there. So <laughs> that's right. This is my shirt for the day. For you, those of you listening, is I hate golf and I miss the rest of it. I hate golf. I hate golf. Nice shot. I love golf. There we go. Yes, there it is. There it is. <laughs> so, Jay, before we start talking about everything that's going to be happening in the upcoming week in Fairfax, let's talk about the national tournaments that happen uh, within the conferences. Uh, just want to get what particular conference tournaments caught your eye and results this weekend. And, you know, we talked earlier this morning. If you want to listen to it, we did the recap of the non birth conferences which is a SIAC and NEC and then we talked to the IVA winner but what else happened around the nation that caught your eye and that you want to chat about I'll be real honest with you I think this year panned out the way everybody wanted it to I think the only one that was maybe not a surprise but was was a little bit of a oh I, okay that that's all right and then we didn't expect that was maybe the Ohio State match against Ball State you know, Ball State obviously won last year and they were having a historic program year for, for Don and Cruz and his team in his first year uh, as head coach. And I think everybody thought that that this year, the MEVA, and we talked about it earlier in the year, was probably the most the most hotly contested conference in the country. And it turned itself to be true. You know, and not only did McKendry come out of nowhere and beat Loyola, <laughs> um, and that was a massive upset in, uh, in MEVA history. But you had two teams historically uh, very strong going out in the finals, and Ohio State was probably not the one that people were betting on. Um, and they had a great match, and and it was really fun to watch. Uh, and Ohio State pulled it out in four at Ball State's gym, no less. Um, and I think everybody thought, okay, that was not what we expected, but that's a good match and a good winner. And I think they were deservingly so. Ohio State's been the hot team in recent weeks, and we've been talking about hot teams all year long and little pockets of, of spells where teams are playing really, really well and they're, and they're opening some eyes to some people. And I think Ohio State was that team this week. Um, that was probably the only one that was surprising. I think the uh, Stanford-UCLA match went what everybody thought it was going to do. Everybody was watching UC Irvine against Hawaii, and I and I watched that one live. And I'm not going to lie to you, that was a lot of fun to watch. That was really high level volleyball on both sides. You had mentioned, you know, even the one that Irvine didn't win, uh, the one they got a little bit blown out, was still fun to watch. Uh, yeah. And and that was like watching a, a a you know a prize fight, 
and just a blow after blow after blow, the ability for those guys to maintain that level of play. That was just an exciting volleyball match to watch and hats off to Hawaii. You know, they're getting a chance to go for a three P, which is the first time in a long time that, uh, that, that somebody has a chance to do that. Uh, and so we're just excited to watch all this stuff unfold here in Fairfax and, and have the, the country's best come in and get after it. Yeah. You know, looking back at the potential for a three-peat, it'd be ironic being that the team that probably did three-peat was a Al Skates coach UCLA team, and it could be a UCLA-Hawaii matchup at that final, which is what a lot of people are saying. So Yeah, no, no, it could be. They're set up for that. And, you know, the way the brackets work out. But, man, I'll tell you what, you look at the bracket, that is not easy on either side. Uh, You know, the first match – the playing match is probably a little bit lopsided. Uh, you know, Ohio State's heavily favored in that to make it out of that match. But then the next round, you get Penn State. And then you look at the other side, and you got Long Beach and Grand Canyon. That's an <laughs> unreal quarterfinal setup right there where you just got some battlers getting after it, man. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Well, with that, I know that, you know, you're you're near and dear to the EIVA and you know, being what happened last year, and was kind of calling for Penn State to, to advance out of that tournament, get the auto bid, and what happens? Princeton shows up and says, you know what, let's put on our Superman capes and pull an upset out. But different story this year in the EIVA tournament. I think that you stuck around for that one, didn't you? I did. I, I Well, I didn't stick around for the finals. I came home, but I was watching the finals live. You know, Penn State was the team that we all knew at the beginning of the year was going to be one to be reckoned with. They had a bunch of guys that came back for their COVID year, you know, Bogner and Wildman uh, and Fisher. And they have a new libero named Ryan Mark, who's really, really good. Uh, and they got two solid middles, you know, Toby and, uh, and, uh, and Owen Rose have been holding the show and Toby went down, unfortunately in his, in our match, he, he stepped on his teammates ankle and, and rolled it a little bit. So they had, uh, the next guy, Sam Marsh, come back in and he did some good things too. But, you know, the reality is, is Penn State's just solid top to bottom. They make you play. They're good players. Um, and they, they're, they've they been a team that, you know, has been together for a long time. And they know that last year stung a little bit. So uh, I don't think it was a surprise. Uh, I was a little bit bummed that Princeton didn't take a game off them and at least make it interesting. But you know what? Uh, Penn State was a team of destiny and they went in there and, and handled it. But, I mean, you, again, you look at what we've been talking about the entire year, there's top five teams or so, five or six teams that are the teams that are staying in that five or six range. And then yeah. there's seven through 15 to 20 that anybody can beat anybody on any given night. Those five or six teams up top are the ones that are that are making it to the dance. You got Hawaii, you got UCLA, you got Long Beach. You got Penn State, you got Grand Canyon, and now you got Ohio State that's kind of making a little bit of a leap to get up into that echelon. But man, oh man, what a great bracket to watch. This is, in my eyes, probably in the last decade, the best bracket I've seen for the men's volleyball championships. I think a lot of people will agree with you on that one. Even the guys this morning in the the before pre-dark episode that we're doing now, they're all saying, I think that the uh, the committee got it right. I mean, they couldn't have gotten any better than this. Yeah. I mean, you, you, could you argue, you Vine? You could argue it. Uh, I, I think what, what hurt them in the end is that Grand Canyon just had a couple of wins against some teams that were in consideration uh, that, that UC Irvine, Irvine did not. But who else are you going to put in there? 
And besides Irvine, BYU is maybe the other team, but they lost twice to, to uh, a couple of teams in the consideration as well. And that hurt them. But so these are obviously the best teams in the country. <clears throat> and, you know, the bummer is that you could have put a UCI, you could have put a BYU in there as also at larges if this tournament were to expand to 12 <laughs> or maybe 16 teams. Now you get a chance to see those guys go up against somebody else when it all matters again. And it's the real dance. Um, and yeah. until that happens, unfortunately, a couple of teams are going to get left out. But I think this year, I think this year is the best year that the committee got everything correct. And it's going to be fantastic. Well, with that, you know, if you look at the bracket, I can't remember a year where the top three, four teams had all beaten each other, but not the same beating of each other. So that's what made it so hard to determine who's going to be the one, two, three, and potentially four. It's the triangle of love, right? You got Hawaii <laughs> that loses to Penn State and Hawaii, uh, or and then UCLA beats Penn State, and it's all this triangle of but then craziness that's going on. You throw a Long Beach uh, beating Penn State in Penn State. <laughs> right, right. And it, it, I mean, it's just you, you look into these teams and you're going, man, who is the actual favorite? And I'll, I'll tell you right now, Rob, I know everybody will argue their team. I don't know that there is a true favorite because everybody has beaten somebody in that bracket at some point or time. And everybody can argue, oh, well, this person was missing that day or they were on the road on this one or this one was done at, at a time of the year where they weren't playing full strength. There's all those arguments you can make. Well, it doesn't matter now. Everybody's yeah. going to be going into this dance and, and trying to, to make it work. And that's the best part about this year. There is no yeah. clear favorite. Well, I like, you know, imagining certain scenarios here, especially with, you know, being in your house, you're going to see the highest level of volleyball, I believe in, in, I'd say collegiate history, because the pace of the ball, we were talking about velocity of the ball, um, the plays people are running in and out of system. Like, is it really an out of system ball these days with the way people are running plays? Holy you know? smokes. You're, you're hundred <laughs> percent right. And we have a, we have a radar gun. We're going to bring that into the Eagle bank and that's going to be for all the fans to view. Um, and you're going to see some serves easily in the seventies. You know, you, you had mentioned that you saw a couple of guys the other night hit it into the mid high seventies into the 76, 77 range. That's ridiculous for college. Volleyball. <laughs> That's really good. There are, there are a handful of guys that can hit it in the low seventies on occasion. Yeah. There are a lot of guys that can hit it in the mid to high sixties on the regular, but to hit it in the high seventies, that's elite level serving and you're going to see guys doing that and it's going to be uh it's going to be a spectacle if you're not used to seeing it that fast that ball moves really quick well as a lover and a uh, rather than a fighter kind of guy i like the guys who hit those 50 55 mile an hour hybrid serves that dance a lot look like a ufo on uh you know the x-files so so when i was with the national team with uh with mccutcheon and those guys back in 05 through 09 we were in there. We had the radar gun and uh, Brandon Taliaferro, who is a <laughs> decent server, not a bad server by and any an standard. assistant coach at UCLA <laughs> and the assistant coach at UCLA. He would hit consistently 55, 54, 56 miles an hour. And this is as a national team setter. Now in Brandon's defense, maybe he was working on just placing it. I'm going to give him the benefit. <laughs> of Brandon's a good guy. And a friend of mine, and I, I don't want him to feel like I'm throwing it. Jayhawsick at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I don't <laughs> want him to think I'm throwing any shade. But I mean, that was, you know, the, that was an average. Now, granted, Clay Stanley was hitting it in the high 60s on the regular. And, you know, there were other guys that could bring it. But we weren't seeing that back in the no. day. The 70s was not something that we were seeing even then uh, on the regular. Now, there's guys at, at mid-level D1s that are hitting it in the high 60s and low 70s on occasion. It's gnarly how fast this thing moves. Yeah, yep. Well, I wanted to, to talk about the matchups because now we're going to project some things out because we're going to talk about the excitement that's going to happen at Eagle Bank Arena. And honestly, I'm looking at the matches. I'm like, they're going to be all phenomenal. And starting with the, I'm going to jump up to the upper half of the bracket there. Long Beach State Grand Canyon. You have Worley's first trip to the big dance with a bunch of guys who are wild and crazy with live arms. And they are playing some serious ball against a repeat national champion before Hawaii came onto the scene and decided to grab the last two. But what are your thoughts on that first? That, that's going to be an opening opening round matchup. Yeah, well, no doubt Worley's going to have them prepared. I don't think that's an issue. Worley, Worley is very well versed in this atmosphere. So he's going to have his guys ready. They're going to be watching lots of video. They're going to be well-prepared going in this match. I wonder... I wonder if the atmosphere might be too much or is it something that they will actually gravitate towards? You know, they play in a pretty big gym. You know, Grand Canyon's got a really big arena that has the wild and crazies, right? If you watch their basketball, if you watch their their volleyball matches, it's like going to a rave in Europe. It's crazy. (laughs) And there's lots of energy and everything's bouncing and moving. And it's just this really, yeah, it's a really fun atmosphere to play in. They might really actually relish in this part. And so that could be maybe the part that, that people don't understand is that they like that stuff. And so when they get into that atmosphere, if it's wild and crazy and things are moving and they're bouncing around, they might play pretty well. Um, so Jay, you're not going to offer up your fog mis- machine and laser lights along with uh, you know, your... <laughs> Your lava yeah, we, we, we don't have donors that that have that kind of uh that money they, you know, they, they, like to, they like to throw it in other directions rather than smoke machines but you know long beach obviously is is got a little bit of been there done that attitude you know and they they know what this feels like they know that this is business um and they're going to come in with their heads down and they're just gonna they're gonna get after it Torwe is arguably one of the best middle blockers in the country if not top two or three um, and he is going to be a force to be reckoned with. Obviously, you've got uh, the, the the cast of characters around him. Uh, you know, Godbold is 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 amazingly hard to handle on the right side. You know, you got the gunslinger and, and Aiden Knipe, who's just chucking that ball all around the gym. Uh, and and there's no rhyme or reason to it. He just kind of goes up there. And then he got then he got uh, the outside hitter Saponis, who where did this kid come from? Transferred from Ohio State comes in and now all of a sudden he's back in the big dance and his other team is in the bracket somewhere across the way that he might see later on, which is another great story that we can talk about <laughs> in the future. So it's going to be a fun match. That that one's probably the most exciting in the first rounds uh, that we're going to see for sure. Well, you're trying to say the uh, Big Ten matchup, the potential of Penn State, Ohio State won't be a big one? Wow, Listen, okay. I, I I love I love the the the, uh, the Penn State Ohio State matchups. They're always fun to watch. It's going to bring a lot of the average fan, I think, to watch because they recognize those two names. And if somebody is maybe not a volleyball fan, and somebody says, "Hey, you should come watch this," it's 
Penn State, Ohio State, they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, well, those are two names I recognize, and they're going to go watch. I, I, I hate saying this because it makes it sound like I, I don't appreciate men's volleyball, but if you said it's, you know, Podunk University against our Lady Mother Saints of Tuesday University, <laughs> nobody's going, nobody's watching. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because those two schools could probably be the best Division Two or low-end Division One schools in the country and people just don't know the names because they don't they don't see it on TV all the time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's going to be a match. It's like kissing your sister or kissing your cousin. It's it's <laughs> it's like uh, it's not really what I want to do again, but we're going to do it again and it's going to happen. And sure enough, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, it'll be a great match because yeah. they split in the season. And yep. that's going to be exciting to watch because there, there's no clear favorite in either one of them. Well, we got to talk about the number one seed UCLA because, I mean, we've known from the beginning of the year, they're going to be highly potent, but you just didn't know how they're going to do it. But the thing is, they're doing it every which way and being successful. They're putting in freshman outside hitters. You're crushing. They got middles. Oh, this one's kind of heavy. Oh, he's hitting below 500. Let's put in our backup middle. Who's going to hit you in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we, we talk on our staff all the time, like, Hey, let's keep a close eye on this guy. And if he gets below, you know, a few hundred in the middle, let's let's maybe below 200, 250 on the night. Let's, let's start looking at maybe making a change. They're looking at it going, yeah, if he's hitting below 500. Nah, let's go ahead and let's, let's re let's restructure the lineup <laughs> and see if we can get in there. That's crazy. I mean, Merrick McHenry is probably the best. Again, him and Torby are in the top echelon. Probably McHenry's probably the best middle in the country. The kid's six five, six six maybe. <laughs> and we've touched it. We've touched the fact that he, I think his vert is like 78 inches. He's got a live arm. He's got a heck of a serve that is a kind of like this hybrid. It's got a little spin to it. Sometimes it's got a little wobble to it. Sometimes it's heavy spin. It's it's crazy to try to pass that. And he's a really good read blocker. When you're a smaller blocker and you've got to, you've got to see what's going on in front of you and make a move, it's easy to commit. But then you are up there so long that by the time you land and move, the ball's already hit on the pin on the outside. So he's got to actually, he's got to have really good reading skills. And Sprague yeah. teaches and trains that, you know, like with the best of them. So that kid's really made an impact. And yeah. in future years, middle blockers that are not six, nine should be looking at this kid and going, this is what I need to do in order to be successful. Yeah. Disciple David Smith, six, seven, former eater national team, a long career, still playing in Poland professionally with one of the top teams in Zaxa. Danny Farmer, six four middle blocker back in the day for UCLA, played professional football for Pittsburgh and somebody else. I forgot who else it was, but six four middle blocker, really successful. Uh, yeah, it, there's there's a few of them over the years, but yeah, those are two guys that I would keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. McKinley for sure. If I'm a smaller middle blocker, now for all you guys nitpicking what we're saying, we're just projecting right now, but not because I like making these imaginary scenarios. But if you're Long Beach State, you advance like, oh man. We lost to UCLA twice this year and, and we really didn't put up a battle. <laughs> and it's that matchup, you know, they, they say it's hard to impossible to beat a team three times in a row. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, there's, where do you go? Where do you start? I mean, they're, they're a complete team. These, there's no underdogs in those things. You know, Long Beach has been number four for the entire <laughs> year. Number three, number two, they were number one for a little while there. They're a good team. Yeah, all the pieces you need. It's just a matter of do they put it together on the night at the right moment. 
And, you know, it, it, I mean, obviously UCLA is a formidable opponent, but man, that's your <laughs> semi. That's a potential semi. That's not even yeah. the finals. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to give a shout out to Mason Briggs because it got to see him at the Big West tournament. And although they they didn't advance to the championship match, Mason Briggs had some phenomenal plays and they didn't win the rally, but man, just seeing that effort from a Libro, I think we're seeing probably the next wave of Libros or a Libro who can definitely garner attention that's all-star worthy. Yeah, there's there's probably three, four, five liberos in the country that are arguably in a discussion for any kind of, you know, national team or professional at least. Um, but Mason Briggs is is top of that heap. He, that kid's ridiculously good. Uh, and in in my eyes, he's probably going to come into the national team gym uh, and, and push Shoji immediately. Probably won't be the guy this cycle, but the next cycle and go moving forward, he should be the guy. He's that good. Uh, And he's going to have a long career. Then down in the lower bracket, let's just say Penn State advances versus in that opening round match, right? They see Hawaii. Hawaii's like, oh man, it's the team that beat us on our home turf. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's not an easy task. That's like beating BYU at their place, you know, when they're, you know, ranked really high and they're having all the pins firing at once. Um, You know, here's the thing. Penn state fans are going to claim, well, if Toby's not there, that's going to be the difference maker. Sam Marsh is no slouch. He's not a bad middle blocker. He was part of the core last year that was winning. <laughs> yeah, he was part of that team last year. And they get to, whoa, they didn't make it out last year. It has nothing to do with just Sam. He was doing his part. He's a good yeah. middle blocker. Um, and, you know, he's got that little taste in his mouth, too, of, of the dissatisfaction from last year. Does Toby make a difference? Yes. When the kid touches 18 feet, just like Merrick Henry. Uh, but... He's not the whole reason why that team is going to be successful or not successful. That team revolves around Cole Bogner. Cole Bogner is the setter on that team that runs that engine and they go as he goes. If he's having a good night, he's running the offense and they're humming all cylinders. They are going to be really, really tough to beat in Hawaii. Obviously Hawaii's good. I'm not saying that they aren't, but it's not going to be a walkover. And I know Hawaii doesn't think that the, 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 the fans are too smart to think that the staff is too smart to think that the players are too smart to think that um, it's going, that's another semifinal with two heavy hitters like that. Like, what are we doing? This is unreal. <laughs> and it may not even be Penn state. That's the, even better. it could be Ohio state. You never even yep. know. Oh, oh, I'm so excited. I wish it was next week already. That team in the final is going to be bloodied. Whatever team's going to be there, going to be bloodied from battle. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And some people say that waiting until the semis to play can be a disservice, right? It could be a, a hindrance of sorts because you've had all this time off. <laughs> you might need that rest in those two quarterfinal matches because those things are going to be bloody battles. It's, I, I would not be surprised if both of them don't go five uh, and in some of them extra points after that. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, you were talking about Penn State. It's like, well, you know, they, they they don't have Toby's injured, but you know what, though? Oh, hello. Who stepped up this year? Michelle Koval. Yeah. Oh, this little 6'3", and I say little, but jumps out of the gym, outside hitter from Poland. Yeah, and the kid keeps him in system and serve receive. He's got a he's got a lethal cannon of an arm when he wants to get on it, but he shoots and rolls and tips and all this fun stuff. He's like watching a young Riley Salmon. How's that for a reference? He just <laughs> slices and dices and throws all these things around and, you know, he's, he's just unassuming. He doesn't, 
command a lot of presence when he's on the court. You don't see him chirping and barking. He just kind of turns around and does his thing, but kid's legit. And yeah, he's a guy you should be paying attention to if you're not already. But if you're paying attention, I'm like, oh, there's this guy named Brett Wildman also. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brett's, Brett seems to be have slowed down a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's injury related. I don't know if it's anything else. He's not the Brett Wildman that he was last year in terms of absolute dominance. But what he still does ridiculously good is hit the pick and serve the snot out of the ball. And those are two really big things. Those are big weapons for most college teams. But Brett is among the best in terms of hitting the pick. And he hits the snot out of the ball. And he's got tail going both directions on command. It's nasty to see. Yeah. Well, it's an exciting week ahead. But I wanted to get the other stuff, which is what's going to be happening in Fairfax if you are coming in. What should you expect to see in the area? What are the things that Jay Hossick would be doing besides eating food from your wonderful wife's cooking? Yeah. Where can people go? All that fun <laughs> stuff. The insider look, so to speak. Yep. Yep. No, I tell you what, you, we are a suburb of Washington, D.C. And so we are, what, 10, 10 to 12 miles away or whatever from downtown Washington, D.C. If you come out to Fairfax and you're staying in a local area, you have to take a day. And go see all of the monuments. Go take a tour of the entire city. Go see the White House. Go see the Washington Monument. Go see Lincoln Memorial. All those things. They are really cool to see. And this is a world metropolis city. This is where the world's best musicians and the world's best eateries and the world's best chefs and the world's best you know, universities. There's all this great stuff, all well located within a you know, 15, 20 mile radius of everything. So go check out DC. That's a major thing. Secondly, this is a world metropolis. Some of the best restaurants in the world from various regions are dotted all over the place. You want good Ethiopian food? Go to DC. You want good Nigerian food? Go to DC. You want good Costa Rican food? Go to DC. You want a good Canadian food where they have some specials like poutine and stuff? Go to DC. They've got everything you need there. That place is unreal. And there are restaurants all across the city that uh, they can cater your needs and, and wants at any given moment. And last but not least, you are this close to the best crab eating in the world in Maryland and the Chesapeake Bay. Go somewhere and get some blue crabs and have a good time. Put them all out on the table. Get, a, get yourself a cold beverage of choice and just crack away and start eating some crabs and having a blast because that is... Uh, that is East Coast living at its best and eating at its finest. I highly recommend a crab boil of some sort if you can get out here and get a part of it. So, <laughs> And the final piece I got to ask, the venue. What should fans expect at Eagle Bank Arena? And how's it like getting in there, parking? It, yeah, no, it, I'll tell you what, it's relatively simple. You know, there's a few different ways to get into the parking lot. That's real good, first of all. <clears throat> Second of all, it's a 10,000-seat arena. If you like the Stan Sheriff Center, you're going to like Eagle Bank because it looks kind of similar. It's a big round area dome. Uh, it's got green and yellow seating everywhere, which is kind of similar to, to Hawaii. <laughs> um, but there's not a bad seat in the house because it's a little bit more vertical. Stan Sheriff is a little bit more lateral. This one's a little bit more vertical. So every seat, you feel like you're on top of the action, which is really good. Great screens everywhere. Um, and the lighting's good. Obviously, they're bringing the floor in from uh, from Terraflex, I believe, or wherever they're bringing it in from. But 
it's a really great venue to watch volleyball. We played a handful of matches there in the last few years since we were supposed to host in 2020. It feels really good in there. It sounds good. It looks good. It's a great place to watch volleyball. People are going to be really excited and all, and all the eateries and concessions around there. So all kinds of good stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, with that, for the viewers online, I'm going uh, to get the honor of working my old friend Jay here on the uh, play-in match. Uh, that's going to be the Ohio State King. And then the two, I guess they're calling them opening round matches, which is the Long Beach State Grand Canyon and then the Penn State and the winner of Ohio State King. From there, you may see us in other roles as well. Actually, Jay may be on the semifinal on, wait, I need to clarify. Those are going to be on ESPN3, the ones that Jay and I will be doing. Then it ships over to NCAA.com for the semis. And I believe it's regular ESPN or ESPNU for the final. So yeah, I think Barney and Sunderland are working those, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. The old NetLive crew is back in effect. We're calling in the we're calling in the heavy hitters for the big one. No, it's it's. I am really excited to work those with you and uh, and be a part of all that stuff. And it's nice to know that we're on ESPN three. I thought we were on ESPN Vinted Dos. So yeah. uh, you know, it could have been uh, the Ocho ESPN Dos. <laughs> but uh, no, the 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 bottom line is 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 we're looking forward to working together. I, I'm looking forward to watching great volleyball and talking about it online and getting people excited uh, and just providing as much information as we can to the average fan and to the seasoned fan uh, and just give them all the insights that they need in order to enjoy the show. But it is a great bracket. It's a great championship. And I'm not just saying that because we're hosting it, but it's going to be awesome (laughs) in Fairfax. We can't wait to have you guys all here and enjoy it all with us. Yeah, the Fairfax Touring Authority is uh, kicking back to Jay right now. <laughs> Got to subsidize um, my paycheck somehow, Rob. Yeah. Well, I also want to add, if you're in the in-house experience there and, and into that stuff, I'm going to try and do what I can there. Um, you know, based on some stuff, I'm going to be on the mic now. After my online or streaming commitments, I will be in-house being the hype guy. So I'm looking forward to doing that for the semis and the final. But also, we'll be doing the All American. I guess it's called the Social. So I'm gonna try and get some stuff out from there, and you know, just get have you guys be a part of the experience. So be sure to follow. That will be on my, my my Instagram on the NCAA MVB Instagram. So if you that's right, follow it, hashtag NCAA MVB. And for those of you that are not familiar with Rob, you're gonna hear the phrase "taking it to Pound Town" a lot. <laughs> Taking the downtown pound. There we go. If you don't feed the big dog, or if you feed the big dog, he's going to guard the yard. There we go. I'll throw that one out there. <laughs> it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Well, Jay, truly excited to uh, get out to Fairfax this weekend and uh, be a part of everything that your wonderful university and city is hosting, because this is a big deal. Men's volleyball is growing at an exponential rate, and we got to get it out there. And I think a 10,000-seat arena Outside of D.C. is definitely a great way to do it with probably one of the best brackets we've seen in years. So Without question. And we've already sold a ton of seats. So if you have oh. not gotten your seats yet, people, you better get them because they're going to sell out. We are really close to being sold out. That's awesome to hear because I forgot to ask you that question. I'm like, what are ticket sales like? <laughs> yeah, they're they're really good. We have a lot of great fans out in this area and a lot of people are coming out to watch their team play and it's uh, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic event uh, arena. So get your tickets. Don't wait. They're not yeah. just going to be sitting there at the office. It's not going to be like most years. 
Yeah, once Hawaii was in, all the fans be sitting behind me at the Big West Championship, like, all right, we got to go online, get those tickets. Anyone know? Rob, do you know? <laughs> yeah. The Jay. Hawaiian fans are awesome. They, <laughs> they, they will travel like crazy. So. <laughs> all right, Dave. Well, I appreciate your full hour plus tonight. So we made up the hour that you would have taken this morning <laughs> tonight. So um, Jay Hosting of George Mason and also great ambassador to the city of Fairfax, Virginia and George Mason University. Longtime friend, excellent coach and even funnier dude that gets hate mail all the time but we'll we'll leave that for another episode right on (laughs) see everybody see you on fairfax thanks for listening to college volleyball weekly be sure to follow rob espero at the rob on the mic on instagram and at rob on the mic on twitter